Hello, and welcome to Cultural Conversations with the International Hub. We are committed to helping you navigate global business. Throughout this series, we will have conversations with global business professionals and experts. Hi, everyone. This is Amanda Bonney, and I'm here with Dylan Papenfuss and Sarah Capisi. We are also here with Professor James Oldroyd, an American professor with experience teaching in South Korea. Professor Oldroyd, can you tell us a little about your background? Sure. I uh, did my undergrad in history at BYU, Brigham Young University, and then I did an MBA at BYU. And while I was doing my MBA, decided to do a PhD. So I went to Northwestern for my PhD, studied with Ranjay Gulati, who's a networks researcher, and got really interested in uh, networks and knowledge. Uh, my first job out of my PhD was in Korea. I took a job at Sungkyung Kwan University, which isn't very, you know, it's not very well known, but it's uh, started in 1396. It's one of the world's oldest universities. It's owned by the Samsung Foundation or supported by the Samsung Foundation, and they wanted to build a international MBA program. So I went over and spent five years uh, helping with that. They, this year they were ranked 51 by the Financial Times, so we took them to 47, I think, was the highest that we got. Can you also give us a brief timeline of your career? Sure. So uh, I spent five years in Korea at Sun Kyung Kwan University. Uh, then I left there and went to Ohio State University and spent three years at Ohio State University and left Ohio State University to come to Brigham Young University. I've been here, this is my third year at Brigham Young University. So what kind of preparation did you go to before going to Korea? So I I basically had none. A good friend of mine was there uh, and I had an interview in Singapore and he said, come and interview in Korea. And I said, I've got, I have no ties to Korea. I don't know Korean. I, you know, I wasn't really that interested. And he said, look, it's literally a stopover on your way back from Singapore. So I ended up stopping there and spent a few days in Korea. And I, it, was, it was compelling. Like, it was, it was very entrepreneurial. The position was going to be entrepreneurial. And so I ended up uh, just taking the job um, and then went over to, you know, so I really didn't have much preparation at all uh, to, to live in Korea which it was an adjustment. Mm-hmm. You're saying an adjustment. Most pe- some people refer to that as culture shock. Um, can you tell us about that experience? Yeah. So they, I, I land in Korea and decide we better get some groceries. So I go to the grocery store early in the morning, right, right when it opened, to try to get some breakfast and stuff. And I, I got a cart, and I walked th- up and down every aisle in the grocery store. And I looked down at the end, and I had like a thing of orange juice and a thing of milk. Because I, I, I didn't recognize anything, you know. So I, I thought, oh, I better try this again. So I went back and thought, okay, now I'm going to have to buy something because we have to eat. So I went through again and started looking, okay, well, we could do, you know. So I, anyway, it was just an adjustment to not, I didn't recognize any of the brands. I didn't recognize any of the food. And so I had to go and readjust to, to get food, you know. That, that, to me, that's like a good example of what culture shock could look like. It just... It's everything's so foreign that you have to figure it out. That is a big adjustment. Um, I guess other ways that people refer to culture shock is interpersonally, how you relate to the locals. Um, how, how did that go for you? How so, was your experience like? Well, so I was helped out a bit because the university 
it's it was an international school and so I felt very comfortable when I was at work at the university um, but outside of that it's I mean so when I was in Korea there was about a hundred thousand foreigners in Seoul so you have 25 million people a hundred thousand foreigners it's it, it's the most homogeneous society on the planet and they so they even have separate website for foreigners. So like if I wanted to buy something online, I couldn't go to the traditional Korean site. I had to go to the, the Weigukin, the foreigner site, to, to buy things. Um, I rode on the bus every day for five years, and maybe one person talked to me in five years. So it's a, you know kind of a very, I mean, you've, I definitely felt like a foreigner. They didn't talk to each other either, but, you know, they, they're just not a very, like, talk to stranger kind of um, society. Uh, so when you were there, did you live, like, just in the main community, or did you live with some foreigners in a foreign community? So uh, the, the university owned a villa, which is a four-story apartment building, and so they, I, I, there, were, there was a professor on each of the four floors. So within that, uh, was, we were kind of in a little community. Um, we did live in Yonidong, which is, there's more foreigners there. I mean, that's, the, the foreign school is there. And my, my, I put my children in the Seoul foreign school for a year and a half, and then we actually pulled them out and put them in Korean school, which we were the first Americans to ever go to that school. So we, we had quite a bit of, uh, there was a steep learning curve on that, let's just put it that way. Um, yeah, a few tears, and, but it was actually, I think in the end, a really good experience. Was there ever a miscommunication between you and someone else there? Yeah, all the time. So Korea is a high context culture, so I don't say my wife, I say our wife. And then you figure out whether I'm talking about my wife or your wife. I would say our house, you know, so it's a very collectivist, high context culture. Um, I, I actually don't speak Korean very well at all. I can, you know, basic understanding barely can get by. I can order food and tell a cab, you know, where to go and a few things. Um, but it's uh, because of the high context nature of, of conversation. You don't, you don't really like directly address issues. You kind of talk around them, and so that you're always trying to figure out what what they're really trying to say. So, for instance, if like if you're getting a performance review. They wouldn't come in and say, your performance is awful, you need to fix this. They would say, uh, you might want to think about getting a mentor. You know, and from that you're like, okay, well, what is that, you know, so you have to try to figure out a lot of, of what's going on. And I think that um, my direct replies back maybe seemed a little abrupt or blunt, uh, but I didn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not good at talking about, talking around issues, so it's harder for me to communicate you know, it's hard to know what analogies to use instead of saying your performance is bad. So. Mm -hmm. I guess following up on that, how is, how is the dynamic between educator and student then with one who's very low context and the other very high context? Well, so the, it's also a Confucian-based society, and in Confucianism, uh, academic is the highest rung of society. And so it was heaven. <laughs> so I, all of my students would say, you know, very, very respectful. They would walk backwards out of my office, you know, because they didn't want to turn their back on you. Um, I, I literally got pulled over uh, driving one day, and the policeman, I showed my university ID, and they waved me on. 
I thought finally I get the respect I deserve. <laughs> <laughs> it was it literally it's it's almost like being a you know like a rock star. Um, so it's it's a lot of fun to be honest. Being a professor in Korea, it, it's um, you know now I come back to the U.S. and I'm just a professor. But in, in Korea, I was a I was a professor. <laughs> so it's a big difference. Um, so I I mean with with the students. They were, they were incredibly respectful and almost would do anything. You know, if I suggested a reading, they would do it. If I, you know, they're very, very, uh, just that's, that's the top of society. So just as much, just as much like in the U.S., we give deference to people who are wealthy. It's for the, in Korea, it's if you're, you know, it's, it, it, you're higher than the king. Academics is the highest rung of society. They have the right priorities. <laughs> For me, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Talking a little bit more about communication, a lot of times when when we give assignments or when we talk about tasks that need to happen in certain cultures, they like to know what's going to happen first. Um, sometimes people want to know why. A lot of people call this the principles versus application-based yeah. society where we're, we're very application-based. We like to do first and then really build up our understanding of it later. Um, how would how was Korea? Yeah, so I actually do this tower building exercise in class where I give cards out and they can plan for a half an hour and then they can build for 20 minutes. And in the U.S., after five minutes, they're like, can we just please start building? I, I've done it in Germany and they take 35 minutes to plan and 15 minutes to build. Koreans are much more like the U.S. actually. They're very hands-on. Like they don't need a lot. Of, they don't, they're trial and error kind of uh, people. So they're very happy to just dig in and, and uh, figure it out. By the way, the, the Germans do a better job with the 35 minutes of money. Because, <laughs> you know, anyway, because they lay it all out and, and execute it very well. Uh, but Koreans, um, in many ways, are more similar to the U.S. than, than you would might imagine. Um, and then another way that communication would be different is just mannerisms or the nonverbal communication that we use. Is there anything... Is there anything, what are the differences between Korean and American culture there? So Korea is vi- uh, very hierarchical. And so you, the first question I would ask somebody if I were Korean is, how old are you? Because you have to know if you're older or younger, so then it's different language. I literally address you completely differently if you're older, like a day. If you're one day older than me, you're, I give different language to you than if you're uh, younger than me. Even twins. So the first twin gets... Uh, you know, so it's, I mean, like one minute. I'm one minute ahead of you, and uh, my whole life you speak uh, differently to me than I speak to you. Um, so uh, there's, it's a very formal, rigid uh, place. And so, like, when you're going in for a business lunch, where you sit, you don't just go sit down. It's, it's, there's a, I mean, you have to figure it out by watching really closely, but um, the most uh, senior person will sit in the middle of the table. Uh, facing the door so they're so they can see the door um, and so it's not on the ends of the table like it might be in a western culture it's the middle of the table away from the door and then you kind of, and that kind of fills in with seniority around to the edges so that's anyway so there's a lot of subtle subtleties it's a it's a very formal society and and that you can offend people quite easily did you ever experience any misunderstandings and then if so, how did you go out remedying that? So they, to be honest, they are incredibly gracious because they, oh, they just say, oh, you're a foreigner, so you mm-hmm. didn't know. Um, so I don't know that I 
I don't even know that I know that I offended, but I'm sure I did all the time. <laughs> um, but they would, they kind of give you a pass. And, and I found that if I tried to speak Korean at all, they were incredibly gracious. So the fact that I love, you know, I love the people, love the food, and, and was trying to do my best, you, you almost get a free pass. You could get away with a lot. Um, so I, nobody ever yelled at me. So I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't know when I was wrong. <laughs> So you've mentioned that they are a Confucian society. Did that have a role in your interactions with them? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, it, it just makes it so that the first question they would ask is, you know, what are you doing here? And I'd say, oh, I'm, I'm a professor. And they would always say, of English. And I would say, no, business. And they were like, oh, wow, that's so amazing. Uh, you know, where do you work? And then you, I'd say, Sun Kyung Kwan. And that's, it's probably the fourth best school in the country. So they were, that was also, so it's very prestige-based. Like, they they always want to know where you fit in the in the hierarchy and you establish the hierarchy really quickly like very you know that's the first thing you do and then you can move on from there but they um it's also a clo- a very closed society so whereas you know other places you might integrate well with your neighbors um we didn't I mean, so even even my colleagues who uh like I, I wouldn't say I was their friend. It, it, so unless you've gone to third grade with them, you kind of it's really hard to to ever make it into the circle. So I, I went there thinking, oh, I'm going to collect all this great data, you know, because I'm I'm working with a, a university that's owned by Samsung. And what I quickly realized is that that's not going to happen unless you have these really long relationships that are developed. And they every in every December everyone kind of reconnects with everyone from their childhood and they'll do a dinner or an event where they get together and they you know and and it's those friendships are they're incredibly strong incredibly important interesting um you hit on again how they really make sure that that you understand who they are relative to where you are from that angle it seemed like they aren't very comfortable with ambiguity they want a lot of structure um can you kind of tell us other other ways how they would handle ambiguity. Well, so it's kind of interesting because so I, I went and I signed a contract when I got there, and I quickly realized that a contract's just our starting place. Like they, you know, like it's so they didn't they didn't think of the you know when I sign a contract, I'm, oh these are the terms, this is exactly how it's going to be, and for them it was like, well that's what we thought at the time, but we can adjust from there. So in some ways, it's a very rigid society, but that's really only in the hierarchy. And they they deal with they're happy to deal with lots of ambiguity and so even things that would be unambiguous here, uh, they're happy to oh we have a contract but that doesn't mean that this there's no ambiguity there's lots of ambiguity here and so um, and like driving for instance like the the it's it was hard for me to come back to the U S and stop at a red light when there was no one around because even police cars in Korea will pull up to the light there's nobody around to go through I mean why would you wait that's that's ridiculous and the lines on the road are there's suggestions but it's it's very like um, you know if, if there's something blocking the road go around it you know so you'd get it's a very a very different kind of you know so they handle those kind of ambiguities I would say better than we do here in the US interesting that flexibility seems to be yeah. really beneficial in many ways how would how would that handle from a business sense? Would they still have that same level of flexibility? 
Yeah, and in fact, so there, in some ways, there's nothing really rigid. So there, there, it's hierarchical. It's rigid mm-hmm. in the hierarchy, but beyond that, like they, if so, let me just give you an example. The, the chairman of Samsung decided that they were going to have Casual Friday at Samsung, and decided this, you know, like on a Monday or Tuesday. Wednesday, all of the casual clothes in the country were sold out because by Friday, everyone was going to be in casual clothes. I mean, like, so literally people had to go out and buy a new outfit for Friday. Um, and, but so they're just, they're to move just like that. I mean, it, you know, so it's, uh, it's unbelievable their speed and, like, change. So they throw out everything and do something new. They're totally fine with that as long as it came down kind of through the hierarchy. Which means like uh, things done by the city are awesome because so if they need to do a road project, um, it just happens. Like they can, they just work on it until it's done, and they like. So a big road project would take two weeks because mm-hmm. they just do it. So not like here then. No, the US. no, there's none. None of that. None of. I mean, it, I, it shocks me. But then, then I go to India, and it takes six times as long as it does here. So I mean, it's all relative. But they're they're incredibly quick about stuff that comes through the hierarchy. Going back to the hierarchy, because um, it seems to have a lot of gravity in the culture. Um, at what level are decisions made? How do they get input on decision making? So I was I was um, working with one company and doing some executive education, and these are engineers. And we were talking about innovation. And after the uh, session, one engineer came up and said, I work in a group of 600 engineers. And our boss said, we need more innovation. Give me ideas. And one idea came up. And it really wasn't an idea. It was already a finished product. So they, they um, uh, it's absolutely top-down decision-making. All decisions come from the top-down. And in some ways, that kind of paralyzes the entrepreneurial spirit so if you look at Korea it's absolutely driven by these large conglomerates that control you know they're just they're really efficiently run well run but there's no middle there's no middle market at all and part of that's because the conglomerates are there but also because there's there's been less innovation happening um, and it's it's you know so if I'm if I'm learning how to paint I'll copy the experts until I'm really good and then I'll create my own versus in the US you just start painting your own paintings so it's it's a very it's a different approach to life in the US we more focus on completing tasks first and then building relationships so would you say that even in business that they focus on building the relationship first then doing business yeah so that you'll you will eat go eat with I mean they do a lot of drinking I personally don't drink so I'd go hang out with them while they drank but it was a lot of drinking a lot of eating a lot of sitting around they do what they call norebang which is uh, karaoke so you go and you watch really bad singing happening <laughs> and uh, and you know but it's really um, so even at work uh, once a week or twice a week coworkers will go out and spend the evening together eating and karaoke or, or whatever so it's very very relational you know it's it's and they're hard to build there these are high investment relationships so it's it's not like hey let you know we're, we're now best friends it's it's gonna take a long long time to build these relationships putting yourself in their shoes would you describe this culture as confrontational um, how, how would they confront each other 
it's kind of a mixed bag. So it's definitely not confrontational. But so it's interesting because if they're going to confront you, it's absolutely direct to your face, and they're okay with coming and saying things that you wouldn't. I mean, you know, that are pretty blunt. Um, so, for instance, you know, if they're not happy with uh, a shopping experience, they'll they'll just come and say, "I'm not happy. This is unacceptable." They're um, really demanding, like when they're buying things to like the store clerks or whatever. They're happy to confront that, but like the uh, the more sensitive relationships are not confrontational. Like they they avoid the they avoid the confrontation there. Yeah, I, I mean, so it's it's definitely you see a mix. I would say that it's a little more muted. If you were going to be on time for a meeting, say the meeting's at nine o'clock, what time do you show up? Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. Yeah. Not even not even earlier. Well, you could be, you know, not much because they're coming from something else. Okay. So everything's like constantly booked, and so they, they it's not like they're they'll show show up and then they've got the next things planned. So very planned out agenda if that makes sense. So they're not going to come early because they're coming from something yeah. else. It's also a high FaceTime culture. So if I'm working it in business, I can plan on being there from 7 in the morning till 7 at night at least. Uh, that's just how it is. Often much later than the 7 at night, depending on, on what's going on. And even if I'm done with my stuff, I still need to be there because it's a collectivist society. So if you're not done, that means we're not done. In closing, what advice would you give a business person planning to work in Korea? Advice I would give is that they need to be ready for hard work. So I, I, I teach, uh, I was teaching a case in class on uh, Vietnam, and it's my first year there. One of one of my students raises his hand and said, "That's because the Vietnamese are lazy." And I said, "Hold on, time out. If we look at the uh, world, you know, if we look at uh, hours worked." around the world Vietnam is like clearly above the mean almost you know they're they're probably 90% 90th percentile I'm like the fact that Koreans work more doesn't mean the Viet you know what I said so his perspective was the Vietnamese were lazy and if you ask anyone else on the planet they would be like wow these Vietnamese work incredibly hard uh, from my experience uh, Koreans they they work I mean, even as young kids, they're in school from, they go to school at nine in the morning, then they come home from school and they start their after school programs and they're there till nine or 10 o'clock at night every day. So that, you know, as a, as a six year old or seven year old, I'm going to school 12 hours a day. And then I get into business, you know, so these multinationals of, of Korea are successful because they work their guts out. I mean, just that's the plain fact of the matter. They're just working really, really hard. And so a lot of my friends who, who were foreigners working in Korea, they'd get burned out. I mean, it's, it's really hard when you're up until midnight and then you're back to work 7 o'clock the next morning and you're doing that for two years straight. And it's not like they have long vacations. It's, you know, in fact, Samsung at one point was saying that we will force you to take your vacation because no one dared take the vacation because, you know, it's, I can't be away. Um, so they had to like mandate you have to take at least you know minimum of I can't remember what it was seven days or whatever a year where you have to go away. Um, so it's it's um, in some ways that can be really shocking. So let me just give you one other story. I was talking to the CEO of Nestle Korea, who was a, a Korean American 
uh, who had just moved back to Korea. So, you know, spoke Korean well, knew the Korean culture well. And they were trying to make a big push on their coffee brand in Korea. And so he went to their uh, company that did their packaging and said, we have new design. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to increase our, our sales here in Korea. We've got a new design on the packaging and we, we want this done, you know, as soon as you can. And uh, Monday, so this was on a Friday, Monday they're, 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 that vendor called him and said, we're done. And he said, what are you, you're done with what? And he said, we're done with the packaging. And he said, what, what are you talking about? I thought this would take at least two weeks. And he said, no, you said it was important to you. So all 270 people stayed here over the weekend and we're done. The packaging's done. We're ready to, to go. And that's so anyway, he was like, oh, I have to be really careful with what I say because I didn't realize that I could have 270 people work all weekend just by saying this is important to us. So it's that um, there. So if I'm, a, you know, imagine I'm working in that company, I'm expected to, to put in you know, just work until it's done. And I, I think that can be really hard for a lot, you know, you know, someone coming from Europe or someone coming from the U.S. The U.S., we tend to work more than the Europeans, but it's still, I mean, it's a lot more hours than a typical American would work. And sometimes it might not be the most productive hours. So then you start to feel like I'm just, I've had to put in all this face time and it can be frustrating. And the, the other big issue about living in Korea is as a foreigner, you're a foreigner. Like there's, there's really no, there's not a day. I don't think there, a day will come, even if you're there 20 years, you're still the foreigner. So, they, you know, like my kids went to school, they were called the foreigners. Like they, that was their name, the foreigners. <laughs> um, th- there's no, there's, it's not really, you're not going to integrate. So um, I was there five years. I, I don't have friends. I mean, I, I do, but not, I mean, they're not, I never made it into the, their circle of friendship because they did, I'm, I'm, you're a foreigner. And so the foreigners tend to, to interact more together. And, um, you know, I, I'm active in church. And so at the church, I met a little, you know, I, I, I made a few Korean friends, but it, it's only, that's only because they were members of an international church. If they hadn't been, I never would have gotten to be friends with locals. It's uh, even my kids, like, okay, can, we, can they hang out with your kids? It was, it was always, there's always just a little bit of distance there which can be, you know, so versus if I'm, say, in Europe, I might integrate really well into into the culture in, in just a few months. In Korea, it's it's much harder to do. Interesting. Well, thank you for your time. really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. That's all for today. Join us next episode as we talk to a German professor visiting America. For more information about global business and culture, visit www.internationalhub.org and be sure to subscribe to Cultural Conversations with International Hub. Thanks for listening and join us next time.